Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I want to talk to you about a story before we kick off about a girl that some people called stress head. It was her friends. It wasn't a mean thing, okay? But this girl, right, she would not be able to go along with any kind of plan without thinking, what time is the train? What if I miss the last train? Who's getting the train with me? Do I have enough money? Do I have enough phone charge? What if I get lost? Just ruminating over all of the details rather than just thinking, this is a fun plan. We're going on a shopping trip. And she would think about every tiny little detail of everything and it would suck all of the joy out of it and all of the excitement out of it. And some of you might hear this and think, that sounds a little bit like me. (laughs) Or that sounds like anxiety, what you're talking about, Gabby. And absolutely, there might be elements to both of those things this morning. But today, we're going to be talking about why Jesus instructs us, do not worry and to not have an attitude like this and how he tells us we can live differently. So I'm going to start off by getting into the verses. So they're going to appear on the screen, but feel free to get a proper Bible as well. We're going to be still in the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 6 verses 25 to 34. So brilliant. Here we go. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not so much more clothe you of little faith, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Amazing. So if you've been here over any of the last mornings in the last couple of months, you will know that we have been in the Sermon on the Mount series. And that is arguably one of the most famous pieces of teaching that Jesus ever did. There's loads of good stuff to unpick within it. And we have heard about things from how to manage our finances to how to manage our relationships and how to manage some of our emotions. And this morning we're looking at worry as one of those emotions as well. And just to be clear, these verses are not about how to become a Christian. These verses are absolutely, and this teaching is absolutely for those that are already believers, that are trying to live a life that glorifies God. So this is not a how-to list. This is not a how-to-become-a-Christian list. 
absolutely your salvation is by grace alone through Jesus. So I just want to make that clear. Um, but let's get into it anyway. Let's have a look at worry. This such a big topic that we have got here. And I want us to start by considering what Jesus means by worry. And what does Jesus say not to worry about? So if you were listening aptly, you will know that there are three different times in these verses where Jesus explicitly says the words, do not worry. And we're going to look at each one of those. So on the next slide, we will see what those three are. Brilliant. And don't jump ahead with the picture there. I will come to it. Don't worry. (laughs) So firstly, in verses 25 and 26, Jesus tells to not worry, tells us to not worry about what we will eat, drink or wear. And this is basically Jesus telling us and the crowds to not worry about those very basic needs being met. And I don't know your financial situation here this morning, but I'm going to hazard a minor guess that worrying about affording your next meal might not be something that is at the forefront of your mind. However, for the crowds that Jesus was speaking to at the time, this would absolutely have been a very present worry for them. And whilst this is a different occasion and a different time of teaching, this These verses, this story really reminds me of the feeding of the 5,000. And that is what the little picture is a snippet of ahead there. Um, That is from a series called The Chosen. I love The Chosen. I know we have some The Chosen lovers in here. Um, But if you are struggling to get the real picture of the Bible when you're reading these stories and you're struggling to visualise it, I highly recommend this series. And we've got our lovely chosen Jesus there on the left. Um, But let me tell you a little bit about this story anyway, uh, while you've got that little visual. So at this time, a similar sort of time that Jesus is doing his teaching, um, people would have come from far and wide to hear him speak. There would have been a real buzz about this Jesus guy. Who is this? What is he talking about? He's saying all these crazy things. He's talking to all different people groups. I want to go and listen to what he has to say. And people would have travelled to do that. They would have come from different towns, different villages, whatever, to come together and hear him speak. And they probably didn't think he would be as captivating as he was or that he would keep them there for as long as he did. So they weren't prepared with a massive bag of food. They didn't have enough resource to keep them going. So when he was speaking to them, they likely would have been thinking about their stomachs. And he obviously knew that because he's God, right? (laughs) Um, But it's not like they really had the opportunity to just pop to Aldi or to Tesco and get a meal deal. They were in the middle of nowhere, you know, sat listening to this man speak and their stomachs would have been grumbling. And Jesus knew that. And in comes the miracle. We've got a little boy with some loaves and some fish. Jesus works a miracle. He multiplies it. Everybody's fed and they can continue to listen to what he has to say. And I mention this not because it's the same story or the same occasion, but because these verses remind us, remind me rather, of this story Because Jesus is saying, do not worry about what you will eat or drink. And in a different occasion, he literally physically provides the provision for that. These people were worried in that moment. What am I going to eat and drink? My stomach is empty right now. I am parched. And he met that need. So for me, that is why it makes me think of it. And so, like I said, you might not be worried about what you're going to eat next. What you might relate to more in verses 25 and 26 is about your body or what you'll wear. And Jesus says that our body is more than just the clothes that we put on it. 
And I want you to just take a second now to think about your body and be conscious of it. Not self-conscious, conscious, aware of your body where you're sat right now. Your body is the vessel which sustains your life and all of its functions. It's the hands that you have to write your essays and do your work. It's the brain that you use to do all of that as well. It's the hands that you have that cook people meals and care for them in difficult times. It's the mouth that you use to counsel and pray for your friends. And it's the body that you use to give someone a hug when they really need it and they're having a hard time. And I remind you of this because I think this is a little bit of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus wants those that believe in him to know that the body that we have is so much more than just what we clothe it in and what it looks like. And Jesus reminds us here and he says that life is more than food. And I'm sure for some of us, we have said that food is life before. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would have been partial to some bread and wine, I'm just saying. But the point is, is that Jesus wants us to know that we don't need to worry about these basic things being met in him because he, he is able to do that. And in verse 26, Jesus reminds us again about why our basic needs can be met by drawing us to look at the birds of the air. He points out that the birds don't feel the need to store away their grain or worry about when they will next have access to it, but they just completely trust that there will be enough grain. And a friend of mine likes to say that whenever she sees the birds, she's reminded of these verses and the promise of God to look after her like he does with them. And in the Old Testament in Exodus 19 verse 5, it says, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people. God calls you treasured. And this reaffirms the point that you don't need to worry about him meeting your needs. If even the birds are of value to God, how much more valuable are you? His precious child that is made in his image. You have to understand how much he loves and values you in order to see how much he wants to meet your needs and provide for you. And the birds don't feel the need to hoard those possessions either, right? We've already heard this morning that it is a Give Big Sunday. And if you were here last Sunday at either of our services, you would have heard that call from Tim and Tom um, to have generous hearts and to consider how we use our money and our finances to serve those around us and those that are more in need. And I encourage you this morning, if money is a worry for you, to listen to these verses and these promises from God to meet your needs, to be able to have a generous heart and a generous attitude to those that need it. Now, coming on to the second point in these verses, the second time where Jesus tells us not to worry is in verse 31 and 32. And again, he reiterates this point. He really cares about this. He's saying, do not worry about what you will eat, drink or wear. But this time he adds, that's because that's what the pagans or the Gentiles, it might say in your translation, that's what they're worried about. And those people are the unbelievers, those that don't believe. We are called as believers, as followers of Jesus, to be set apart from the rest of the world and from the way that it behaves. And that means that we are called to have trust and a faith in God that he will meet our needs, even when the world around us would say that that is not possible. God knows what you need because he made you. 
and he can anticipate your needs before you even know them. Like a baby, we've got a baby this morning here, which is wonderful. I bet uh, baby Grace's mum and dad know what she needs without her being able to say it. That's how God is for you. He knows what you need before you need to articulate it. And the third time that Jesus says here not to worry is in verse 34. He begins to explain why we don't need to worry in these verses. And he tells the crowds that are listening to him that there is no point in worrying about tomorrow because today has plenty of things to think about of its own. And I know I can be guilty of lying awake at night thinking about the troubles that tomorrow holds or even next week or next month holds. And I'm sure some of you can relate to that. But our worry about tomorrow absolutely robs us of our present joy in today. It is not that we are called to walk through life blindly pretending that nothing bad is happening to us. And it's not that nothing challenging isn't going to happen to us. It absolutely is. We know that. But we are promised a daily bread by God. It's not a weekly bread that we fill up in and church on a Sunday morning, but a daily bread that we need for these daily worries that Jesus mentions. And asking God for his daily bread is something that I have certainly had to learn in my own life over the last couple of years. And in my job, I know that tomorrow has plenty of worries of its own. And if I was to dwell on those, I would probably not get out of bed and go in. Mm -hmm. For those of you that don't know, I work in child protection and it is a rather unpredictable field where we do not know what we're going to get on the day to day. So if I went into it with a spirit of fear, I wouldn't be much help and I wouldn't be much use at all. And a couple of years ago, I had an experience which if I'd have known about going into the day, I certainly would not have gotten in my car that morning. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. <laughs> so I was doing what we call direct work with a young person. And that is where I get to spend time with them, trying to understand what is happening in their life and their situation. So I picked up my 16-year-old young person and we had gone on a drive. We'd gotten some Mackies, as you do. Mm -hmm. And we were driving back through a busy street of a town I wasn't going particularly fast, maybe 15 or 20 miles an hour because we were approaching traffic lights. And before I could even anticipate what was about to happen, mid-conversation, this young person flung the passenger seat door open and ran at full speed in the opposite direction out of my moving car, guys, <laughs> right? So I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what do I do? I don't know what to do, where has he gone? Whilst the traffic's still moving, the lights have changed at this point and I had to think on my feet. I'm like, right, I need to go back and find him and find out what is the problem. He was chasing a person for context. So I'm like, what's going on? I need to stop him. We cannot have him with his social worker in public having an altercation, not good. <laughs> not good guys, not the point of the job, the opposite in fact. So I swiftly turn my car around and I locate him on the corner of the street, having beef, if you like, <laughs> with another young person. <laughs> and it's a bit heated and whatever. Two quite tall, 16-ish year old lads. So I'm like, right, me and my cardigan, not sure what we're going to do. <laughs> so I attempt through the car window to coax my young person back into the car. Please get back in the car. I don't want the police to show up. You don't need to be any, any more trouble than you already are. Please get back in the car. Unsuccessful, guys. <laughs> Unsuccessful. Was he back in the car? No, he was not. So I then acted 
you know, on my intuition, on my feet in the moment, I'm like, right, this lad is protective. This is one of his wonderful qualities. He's a protective lad. We've got a very good working relationship. I'm going to stand in the middle of them. That'll get him back in the car. And that is what I did. And it got him back in the car. Yeah, quite the story. There you go. He's fine. Um, and I will, you know, I'll let you fill in the gaps as to what the beef was about. It was about some money owed. Who knows? What could that be? Um, but yes, he got back in the car. I followed my intuition in the moment, but that was completely unpredictable to me. I thought we were going to Mackey's and to have a chat and that happened. And I say all of this not because I expect you will find yourself in the same situation and not because I recommend you get in between a fight with two gang affiliated teenagers. Please don't do that. Not recommending that here today. Um, but my point is that if I'd have reacted out of worry, out of fear, if I'd have known that that was going to happen the next day, I probably wouldn't have showed up and in the moment I probably would have driven away or frozen and not known what to do and my point of within this for all of us is that God gives us a power and an ability to not worry when he promises to meet our needs and when he promises to equip us to tackle the day before us whatever that looks like for you we do not add a moment to our lives by worrying about what will happen tomorrow. It is a pointless exercise. And I know that anxiety and fear are rife in our lives. And there are a lot of things that you might be sat here worried about this morning. It might be about your friendships, your family situation, your relationships, maybe your job or maybe your studies. There is a clear instruction here from Jesus that all of these things we can give to him as believers, we can lift our eyes to him and have trust instead of worry and fear. And now that we've talked about why Jesus calls us not to worry, I'd like us to think about what he calls us to do instead, and that is to trust him. So coming on to the next slide, please, Joe. thank you. Dipping back a little bit to verses 26 and 27, as we've already touched upon, Jesus talks about the birds as a reminder of this provision, but he also talks about the flowers as well. And he mentions how God clothes the flowers with beauty and splendour, and he promises to do so much more for you. He says, even the richest of men, that's like Solomon, aren't clothed as well as the flowers are. And that's hard for me to imagine because flowers are beautiful. Look at those ones I've put up there for you to look at. Uh, that is a tulip field um, in the Netherlands. And um, that is nearby where my brother lives. And that's some of the most beautiful display of flowers I've ever seen. And I put it there as that reminder that God says he clothes you with even more beauty. And he wants to provide for you even more so. The main difference between us in the world and as believers and followers in Jesus is that we have a hope and trust because of our relationship with a father God who wants to provide and trust looks really different to worry. Mm -hmm. I'd like to challenge you to think about worry and fear as a tactic of the enemy in your life. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Worry robs you of living life to the full. 
and anxiety destroys the life and the promises that God has for you. There is a spiritual battle going on for the life of a believer. And that battle is for your peace and it is for your trust. And God wants us to recognise that. And I read a book recently called The Veil by a guy called Blake Healy. And in it, he says, the first tactic of the enemy is fear. Fear is the faith in the devil. It is believing that God is incapable of protecting and guiding you. And I know that when you worry, you aren't trying to give weight to the devil. That's not the point here. And this is not what it's saying really either. What this is a challenge of is to live differently. We do not want as believers to give the enemy a foothold into our lives. We do not want to give the enemy any of our faith, but we want to give it to the one who holds our life in his hands, and that is Jesus. And in verse 33 here, Jesus tells us how we can have this different attitude in life. He tells us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and know that all these things will be given to us. This is what we chase and what we put our hope in. It's his kingdom and his kingdom is upside down to the rest of the world. It's where everything will be eventually made perfect. It's where we trust in him instead of trusting in the enemy and the fear that he wants to instill in us about our needs and our desires. And this is not a prosperity gospel. I don't want you to hear that this morning. God is not a magic genie and he does not promise you an easy life. What he offers and what he gives to you and to me is a fulfilment and a promise that we don't have to walk around carrying worry and fear. God, as a good father, is not just going to give us everything that we want. We're not going to go to him with our Christmas list as long as our arm and get everything ticked off. He's a good parent and he puts boundaries in place like a good parent does. And sometimes that means that he says no. And sometimes that means he says not yet. But there is a trust element for us when it comes to not having worry and fear. And in verse 32, we see that our heavenly father already knows what we need. And he's not oblivious to it. That's true for you this morning. Jesus is not telling us to not have concern for the things that matter in the world. The offering that we are giving into, that is important. He has concern for these things too. But the point is to replace that worry for a focus on bringing his kingdom on earth. This is a commitment to doing God's will instead of the will of the world. And we can trust his promise to provide and to meet these needs ultimately because Jesus is the fulfilment of the promise. In Genesis 22 verse 14, right at the beginning of the Bible, we have a story of a man called Abraham. And I'll summarise it for you. But basically, Abraham has waited his whole life for a son. He's waited his whole life for a child and for that promise of a child. And he has one. And he is a man of God. He listens to God. And God basically asks him to sacrifice his son. He says, show me that I'm the most important thing to you. Here's your son. Sacrifice him to me and show me that I am still number one in your life, not this precious son. And I can imagine this is the most horrifically painful thing that could ever be asked of a person. And yet Abraham is so faithful to God. He's so trusting to God that he says, okay, despite the immense pain that this would have caused him. And for those that don't know, the story has quite a nice ending. God being God and being good, 
steps in at the last moment and he provides a ram for Abraham to sacrifice instead. There's a replacement there. And in worship of God, Abraham says that the place is Jehovah Jireh or God will provide. And that is who Jesus is. He is the one that provides for us and he is the one that gets on that sacrificial altar instead of you. He is broken for you and he is hurt for you and he takes your place. And the ultimate thing that Jesus provided for the people at the time and for you and I was not their basic needs, it wasn't their food and drink, it wasn't their clothes, it wasn't even his good teaching, it was his life. He was the sacrificial lamb instead. And he died so that you wouldn't need to be enslaved to fear or succumb to anxiety in your life. And I know that we live in the reality of the now and the kingdom is not yet here. So in the short term, these things will be prevalent in our lives and we need to think about how we can encourage and support each other in the short term. Knowing that God works through some of the resources we have here on earth, like doctors and counselling. We know that God gives us permission to take this journey slowly of trust and of rebuilding towards that. But I want to remind you today of the hope that he died so that you could be free from this worry and this fear and this anxiety. And you can seek first his kingdom today by telling fear that it has to leave in Jesus' name. You can seek his kingdom by following the call that he has on your life, whether that's in your job, in your uni and in this city. I believe that you were called here for a reason. And worrying about tomorrow does not add a single thing to your life today. It is a waste of your time and it's a tactic of the enemy to make you trust in him and not in God. And maybe this morning you relate to stress head girl uh, from the beginning. A few people nodded there and said that they did. You might be crippled with worry and anxiety. And what I am talking about seems absolutely foreign and impossible to you. Um, but I'd like you to meet stress head girl. You're looking at her. That was me. That was me a few years ago. And a few of my friends um, used to call me that in a nice way, but it was also true because I was absolutely crippled by fear and worry and it robbed me of present joy in today, even in the simple things. And that was because I didn't know or understand the healing power and the freedom that comes from a relationship with the living God and through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And old me wouldn't have done the job that I do now and certainly wouldn't have gotten in between that fight either. And I know that some people sat here this morning might be feeling or relating to some of the old patterns of behaviour that I talked about at the beginning. And I just want to say I'm not minimising anxiety. Like I said before, there is a role for professional support. Absolutely. But what I do believe even more so is that we serve a living God who wants to bring freedom and healing here this morning. So for some of you, you might not relate to this either. And I want you to think about how you can support those that do. Think about that body that appointed you to, to be conscious of. How can your hands serve others? How can your words support them through a hard time? How can you pray for them and draw them to think about this when they are succumbing to fear?